celebrate the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. And as we study your word, revelation knowledge is gifted everybody under the sound of my voice. I decree that bodies and yokes are destroyed. Whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. Your people built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus is glorified. Thank you for the blessing that is upon this service today. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our feet together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. We're so glad to welcome all of you to the social media community. And I also want to welcome all the Akwai Bomb State community right now to the service, wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice, whether on Comfort FM, XL FM, Radio Akwai Bomb, you know your FM, Inspiration FM, Heritage FM, whichever of the radio stations you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, I'd like you to do me the favor, invite a friend, a family, a loved one, a family member, tell them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. And I'd like you to get ready, it's going to be an exciting study this day day and i want to also ask the social media community we love you family and friends on social media it's exciting to have all of you always there to ensure that this gospel gets to the ends of the earth and i want you to know we're co-laborers together so help me again like you've always done share the video on your page create watch parties tag some people you know all the groups on your page share with them the message the video of this service put them on monogram telegram whatsapp groups it's going to be an exciting study of god's word all our campuses around the world, we are so glad to have all of you connected. And everyone that is joining us in the Bible study centers, we love you all. And it's going to be an exciting study again today of the word of his grace. Those of us in the building, are we excited to be here? Can we celebrate the Lord with a shout? Glory! Amen! Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible, and you can be seated with your sweet, smart self. Glory to God! As we begin the service, I want to quickly announce for those of you watching in Eket, if you're following us in Eket or following, listening in Eket on radio, we have Power City in Eket and we just got a new venue for our church in Eket. It's the Women Development Center, number 7 Odo Esen Street off SDP Road, Eket. Service is going on right now for those of you in Eket. You can join that service right now in Eket. They are the Women Development Center, number 7 Odoi Sin Street, off SDP Road in Eket City. Praise the Lord. All right. Are you ready for the word of God? <clears throat> We're concluding the In Christ Reality series in this service. And we'll just go as much as we can and cover the, the completion of that particular series. Brother Paul's revelation of identification. Romans, I mean, John chapter 5. Where did I get Romans from? John chapter 5 verse 39. John 5 39. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you may have life. Look at Luke chapter 24 verse 25. Luke chapter 24 verse 25. 
Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets? He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. We've established that Christ is a man. The prophecy was about a man. The death was the death of a man. The burial was the burial of a man. The resurrection was the resurrection of a man. So if he is a man, let's examine the ability of his person or the totality of his person. The book of First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse number 23. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He mentioned spirit, soul and body. Jesus himself, we've established that he is the offering. He is the sacrifice in the first service. We did some work there. He must be the offering therefore spirit, soul and body. Because if Jesus is the offering, the offering must be spirit, soul, and body. Now, let's look at man's spiritual constituent. Man's spiritual constituent. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Genesis chapter 2 verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Let all, it leads us into the understanding of man, what man was. Let me tell you what didn't happen. What did not happen in creation was, there was no body created or a body formed that then after God formed the body, he now breathed into the body. That didn't happen. Because if you don't read carefully, you will think that God formed the dust, formed a body. Then now breathed into the body. Now that's not what happened. That didn't happen. Alright. Now so having told you what didn't happen. Let me now tell you what happens. If there was a body. Before the soul. Then the soul came into the body. That means death preceded life. That means God created a dead body. Before sending life. Then that would mean that God is the creator of death. Because the body without the spirit is dead. So if God formed dust and kept a body of dust before breathing man into, then it means God created a dead body, then that means God is behind death. That's why that didn't happen. So what must have happened? Well, again, remember... God said, from the dust thou art, thou, thou, from the dust thou art, and to dust you shall return. From the dust thou art. It implies that what Moses saw in the vision, again remember, Genesis was written by Moses as a result of a vision. Because Moses wasn't there when all this happened. Moses was born in Exodus chapter 2. So for him to write what happened in Genesis, 
He must have been in a vision. And then secondly, how many of you have a copy of my new book? Courses. The Myth and the Truth. Have you started reading it? <laughs> many of you. 90, 99% of you are just looking at me. <laughs> Alright, no problem. Sure, you are waiting for free food. <laughs> no problem. You better go and grab a copy of that book now and start reading. Because that book will help you understand the things I'm teaching here now. The book, now, for all of us that are doing Bible study, you know, we, we're reading Genesis. We've gone far in Genesis. We'll soon be through Genesis and get into Exodus. Because I'm reading along with you people. Alright? Genesis is Moses' teaching ministry. Moses wrote Genesis to teach the children of Israel the promise of an exodus. So Genesis is the promise of God of an exodus concerning Israel in captivity. Moses was teaching that to people that were in captivity about God's promise of their deliverance which was a type of God's redemptive plan in the dead burial and resurrection. So the book of Genesis was Moses teaching Israel using types, shadows, using parables to communicate the redemptive plan of God. Now, that's the, that's the much I will say to you from that book. The rest you find out for yourself. Yeah, because that book has all of it. I even dealt with the concept of heaven and earth, light and darkness. I, I dealt with all the concepts, all the parables of Moses in Genesis. I, I, I brought all of them out in that book. I, I don't want to write the book the second time. Go read it for yourself. Now, what Moses therefore saw was that, you know, the Ruach. You know what Ruach is? The Spirit of God, which was the breath of God. When God released the breath... The breath of God came out of God, went into the dust and took up a body. It was that breath that took up the body. That is why when you die, your spirit goes out and leaves the body. Because it's your spirit that took it up. So that's why it's your spirit that leaves the body. That's why on the resurrection day, it's your spirit that will take up your body. Am I communicating? That's exactly what Moses saw. That's exactly what Moses saw. Because you couldn't have had a body without spirit. You can't have spirit without body. I mean you can have spirit without body. But you cannot have body without spirit. Because body without spirit is dead. Spirit without body means the spirit is naked. Because the body is the clothing of the spirit. But body cannot exist without spirit. It is spirit that makes body exist. Please stay with me. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, we have more details of Genesis 1.26. Because what Genesis 1.26 did was it just gave us a summary. You know, and people have assumed in our image after our likeness means Jesus was saying God is a spirit. That that likeness means spirit. That's what some people assume, you know. But man is not the only unique being that has a spiritual constituent. Man is not the only unique being. God is spirit. Jesus told us that. Angels are spirits. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Angels are ministering spirits. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7. Demons are also spirits. The devil is also a spirit. That means that, you know, um, God is not the only one that has spiritual constituent or man. 
So that is why the image of God in Genesis 1.26 cannot be spirit. The image of God cannot be spirit. Genesis 2.7 now gives us more details. That the breath of God, the breath of God did not become man. Rather, man became a living being. Man became a living being. The breath of God or the breath of life did not become man. But man became a living being. Alright? A living being. Uh, you know, the Kumash, the Kumash translation of the Hebrew says, man became another speaking spirit. Another speaking spirit. Alright? God is a speaking spirit. So man became another speaking spirit. That's a Kumash translation of the Hebrew. Now, <clears throat> the word living being has two words. It is constitutes of two words. Number one, the Hebrew word chai. C-H-A-Y. Chai. C-H-A-Y. It has to do with age or existence. Something to be. Man became. Or man reached a conclusion. Man reached a conclusion. And in reaching the conclusion, he became a living being. That conclusion is that man became a living being. The word living being in the Hebrew is the word mephesh. Mephesh. M-E-P-H-E-S-H. Mephesh. Used for life. Or to exist. Or to be. Or to be in. Man became a living being. Used 754 times. A lot of it in the Old Testament. The word living being, methesh. That implies that the life of man is not his physical body. The life of man is not his physical body. Because when God breathed into man was when man became a living being. A living being refers to the existence of man in the body. The existence of man. That is, man existed as a living being. Man existed as a living being. We can therefore say that the spirit of man is from that which issues forth animating force. That which issues forth animating force you know look at me everybody so that you understand all this grammar i'm breaking if you have a balloon you know balloon balloon okay the balloon the balloon is deflated until you blow wind into it when you blow the balloon the breath gives the balloon life the balloon comes out okay when the breath is removed, the balloon is depleted. Okay, So, the breath that you use in blowing the balloon gives it life. Okay, Now, from this issued thought, animating force, that is, it will take the spirit of man to have life in the body of man. It will take the spirit of man to have life in the body of man. That is, is the spirit of man that gives life to the body of man. 
Stay with me. The spirit of man that gives life to the body of man. If the spirit of man leaves the body, the body becomes dead. Which issues forth, animating force. The life of the body is in the spirit of man. The life of the body. Look at James 2.26. See the way brother James puts it. James chapter 2 verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead also. The body without the spirit is dead. So if Jesus for example is promising life. What life will he be promising? If Jesus is promising life, what life will he be promising? Of course, the life of his spirit. The life of his spirit. Because that is his being. The life of his spirit is his being. So his being is substantially his spirit. His being is substantially his spirit. Please stay with me. When he died, his physical body was on the cross. But he was not there. When Jesus died, his physical body was on the cross. But he himself was not there. Are you following? Are you following? Are you still here or you've gone home? Okay. His body was in the grave. But he himself was not there. That means his life is in his spirit. His life is in his spirit. Look at John chapter 10 verse 10. Please pay attention. John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Of course, you know, when he was talking about the thief in that context, he was referring to false teachers and false prophets. But of course, Satan is a thief. Okay, so the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that you may have life and be abundant. It's not have life and have it more abundantly. Life is not in grades, so you don't have you don't have life more abundantly. No, you have life, and because of that life, you are abundant. That you may have life. And be abundant. That's the way it is in the original. Now. That word life. Which life is he talking about? The life in his spirit. The life in his spirit. The word zoe. And you know zoe doesn't mean eternal life. I hope you know that. I've taught you in this church. The difference between zoe and eternal life. They don't mean the same thing. Alright. Now. So I am come that you may have life and be abundant. That life is where? In his spirit. So Jesus was promising the life in his spirit. That was a future promise. Resurrection. So the life of man is where? In his spirit. Physical life is in the body. But spiritual life, which is substantially who man is. Is where? In his spirit. Ephesians 2 verse 1. <clears throat> Glory to God. It's quite some, some teaching here, right? <laughs> it calls for a lot of thinking, right? <laughs> and you are the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Observe the next verse. 
wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience among whom next verse among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others dead were dead you who were dead in the spirit it shows that sin is also firstly spiritual sin is firstly spiritual verse 2 the spirit that now walks the spirit that now walks so that spirit produces lust that spirit in the children of disobedience produces lust that is the spirit produces the lifestyle the spirit produces the lifestyle so the lifestyle is produced from the spirit the lifestyle is produced from the spirit sin is spiritual first of all the word dead is the greek word necros n-e-k-r-n-e-k-r-o-s necros life lifeless dead necros it actually used for a corpse that word dead is used for a corpse necros lifeless all right and and, and if you think a corpse does not matter try to steal one try and go to the mortuary and steal one corpse then you will understand that a corpse is someone's property you know what i mean yeah it's someone's property necros means it doesn't have life not that it does not exist it exists but does not have life that a man is existing doesn't mean he has life something can exist but lifeless so things can exist without life so he is saying in sin you exist without life in sin you exist without life what kind of life <laughs> what kind of life you exist without life ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 this i say therefore and testify in the lord that you henceforth walk not as other gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds verse 18 having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of god through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts alienated is the greek word apalotrio apalotrio a p a l l o t r i double o i'm gonna take it again because i just remembered somebody said when you're reading greek words be slow so let's go again a p a l u l u o t r i double o it means to be excluded from or to not be given access to to be excluded from or to not be given access to Ephesians 2.12 will also, you know, give credence to that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ. 
being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, being aliens, being aliens, strangers, aliens. That means you are without access. You are excluded. You are an alien. Look at Colossians 1.21. Brother Paul used it there again. Colossians 1.21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have he reconciled. That is, you didn't have access to alienated. Let me access, or he didn't let you were not allowed access into. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18. Let's apply instead of alienated. Let's use not having access. Put it up for me. Having their understanding darkened. Not having access to the life of God. Being alienated. Not having access to the life of God. That means no entrance to the life of God in their hearts. Their heart will refer to their soul and their spirit. Their heart will refer to their soul and their spirit. So there was no access to it. Were they living on earth? Yes. Physically alive but spiritually dead. Dead because they were alienated. They didn't have access to the life of God. So the first thing is to realize that there is spiritual death and physical death. When Adam was told, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. He was dead when God was talking to him. But he spoke from death. And in death there is fear and condemnation. He was afraid in death. He had already died. And he said, I was afraid of you. And I, I went to hide myself condemnation makes a coward out of a man he was afraid he was in condemnation he was in guilt because he was in death those are symptoms of death guilt condemnation cowardice shame shame that's why the moment you're born of god you're free from shame he that believeth shall never be ashamed you are free from shame and you're not afraid of the plague of shame. If somebody says it's going to shame you, you're not embarrassed. You're free from it. Nothing shames you. Even shame does not shame you. In fact, shame is ashamed of you. So if somebody saying you will be embarrassed, you're not intimidated. You have passed that level. Because what brings shame is sin. And in Christ, there's no sin. And so since you are no more in sin, you are in righteousness, no more shame, no more cowardice, no more timidity. You are no more, you know, scared. Who cares? Embarrass me? Who cares? I'm neither moved nor amused. I'm not bothered. You end up embarrassing yourself. Because when you try to embarrass somebody and is not embarrassed, you become embarrassed. The only reason why people embarrassing you succeed is because the embarrassment gets on you. But once you tell them I'm not embarrassed, they are the ones that get embarrassed. If a normal man begins to pursue a madman, who becomes ashamed? 
The madman has no more shame. You must come to where you don't have shame. Where you are free from shame. Because sometimes you are forced to do things you don't want to do because you don't want to be ashamed. Be free from shame. Are you hearing me now? Free yourself from shame. And you enjoy the liberty you have in Christ. And when you are free from shame, you will stop trying to impress people. Because the reason why you are trying to impress people is because you don't want to be ashamed. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I don't give a hoot. I don't give a hoot. Dead men are never embarrassed. And dead men are not ashamed. I'm dead. Nevertheless, I live. The life I live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's when you are not yet dead that you are bothered about people's opinion. Before any man had an opinion, God's purpose for your life was settled. So a man's opinion cannot alter the course of God in your life. It's just his opinion. And everybody is entitled to his opinion anyway. It's guilt and condemnation that brings all those useless things. See a believer behaving, behaving as if, uh, behaving as if, as if his approval is from men. Do I now please you? Brother Paul said, do I now please you? If I please you, I shall not be a servant of Christ. Sakabada. Who cares? Who cares? He said, be careful for nothing. Who cares? Shadabada. I need to free somebody from me. Get out of being embarrassed. Then you find out that people trying to embarrass you embarrass themselves. Because you are not moved. Because you know who you are in Christ. Kabadagayas. Zabodegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegegeg
ordinary his physical body was, nobody noted anything. Nobody said, ah, he has a handsome nose. Nobody said, ah, his eyes are beautiful. There was nothing unique about the physical appearance of Jesus. He was as ordinary as ordinary can be. He was so ordinary that in the class of human beauty classification, he didn't fit into class one. <laughs> when people are singing, Jesus is beautiful. Have you seen him? Where did you get that from? Don't mind Robert Powell. You know Robert Powell? You don't know Robert Powell? Please don't know him. Those pictures in people's houses of Jesus is Robert Powell. He's one American man. His name is Robert Powell. And many people are worshipping him as an idol. The man got tired when they came out and said, look, I'm not Jesus. I'm Robert Powell. Stop worshipping me. Because you go to some churches, you see that picture. And they are worshipping it. You know the church is eh? I don't want to call names. They are worshipping Robert Powell. <laughs> Robert Powell came out and said, I'm not Jesus. Please, everybody see, I'm a movie actor. I just acted it to make money. Stop worshipping me. It's enough. Those churches should listen to him. They have Jesus' picture. They have Mary's picture. They have all the pictures. And they come and kneel down. Worship idols. Because those are not them. And what are you doing with Mary's picture? Why don't you put Abel's picture and worship? <laughs> At least Abel is here. <laughs> Since you want to worship somebody, put somebody that is alive. Why are you laughing? Did I say something? Isaiah 53 verse 2. Isaiah 53 verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. Who are we describing? Jesus. He had no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. There's no beauty. Jesus is not unique. There's nothing outstanding. You know, like you say, somebody is tall and handsome. Or like you say, somebody is fair and attractive. Jesus did not fit into any of those ones. So, nothing stood out. If it's his physical look, there's nothing. You can see him and pass because nothing. Put it up. Put it up. Give me the NIV. NIV. NIV of Isaiah 53 verse 2. NIV. And you know everything Jesus did is according to the scriptures. So if the scriptures said there was no beauty in him by prophecy. It means even physically when he came. There was nothing. NIV. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. So he was not attractive. He's not the kind of person you look at and you want to get close. Uh -uh. He's the kind of person you look at you want to stay far. He tells you, please, can we do a picture? I say, we do. There was no beauty in him. We are talking about Jesus here. Am I teaching good? There was no beauty. So, all this way, Jesus, oh, handsome, oh, handsome. Stop that. Where did you see that? <laughs> 
Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. His speech was not stylish. Jesus didn't have phonetics. He just talk ordinary. How far now? Where are they go? <laughs> there was no style in his speech. He didn't have Queen's English. He didn't have Queen's English. None of those. So, what he had to offer us was not physical. What he had to offer us was spirit. Are we teaching good here? Did you observe that nobody took note of how he looked? Nobody. All they took note of was what he said. His words were with power. He said his words were with power. He said he spoke with power, not like the Pharisees and Sadducees. So the only thing that they took note of was his speech. The things he spoke were heavy. His words, not his physical look. Not his physical His depth. You know, they didn't say his hairstyle was nice. Punky, punky. You know punky? It's air I'm looking for. It's not punky, but is he in the quiet? Hey, how far now? I'm looking for Ayo. He knows why I'm looking for him. You know, he has changed his face. And I like the new face. He's really looking good. You know. Jesus didn't have punk, you know. When I was younger, I used to have punk until some things happened. <laughs> With all I have said, <laughs> Dr. Gabriel, everything I've been teaching as anointed as it is, nobody laughed. Until I yap myself. See, as everybody's laughing. Even radio people are hearing your laughter without motivation. <laughs> I used to have punky punky. I used to like this very nice punk. Did something happen? I, 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 I try to. I try. I try. I try. I'm still trying. Please pray for me. Because <laughs> I don't want to end up doing something. Doing something. You know, where you can just stand behind me and look at your face in my head. May God give you understanding. Amen. You know, when you yab yourself, nobody will yab you. Who cares? Nobody cares. So that's why the body of a believer is called mortal. Because eventually you see depreci your body starts depreciating because it's mortality. No matter how much you want to remain young, age will catch up somewhere. It will catch up. Small time, you start having bags here. Bags that can carry coins. Is it not true? And men that like shaving, small time here will drop. It's mortality. No matter how handsome you are, mortality will show you that in this world, it still has upper hand. But resurrection, it has no hand. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, Romans 8, 11 is not for healing. It's a scripture on mortality. Look at it. Romans 8, 11. <clears throat> but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. 
raise and quicken in the Greek. Quicken means to bring back life to something. Incorruptibility. What he is saying is that the same way Jesus' body was brought back from the dead, yours will be brought back. He is teaching the resurrection or what we call the rapture. He shall quicken. Now if you observe, that is the only future tense in that scripture. Okay, let's do a little bit of reading. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. Let's go. Observe. You will see it's either present tense or present tense. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me, hath made me free. What is that? Past tense. Verse 5. Verse 5. Romans 8 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit things of the spirit next verse next verse verse 9 sorry give me verse 9 for time verse 9 but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of god dwell in you now if any man have not the spirit of christ he is none of his present tense verse 11 that's the only place you see a future tense but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Shall, future tense. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. As many as are led by the spirit of God, past tense. Okay? Look at verse 15. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received past tense. Verse 16. Verse 16. The spirit itself bear a witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. P present tense. So, you see Romans 8, 11 is different. He is pointing to something that is futuristic. Romans 8, 17 says we are heirs of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Give me verse 18. I love verse 18. Look at verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be shall be shall be future shall be now so what is this sufferings this suffering is verse 11 the spirit of him that raised up christ from the dead dwelleth in our mortal body that mortal body is a suffering he shall quicken our mortal body so this suffering that i reckon is mortality he calls it mortal body mortal body means subject to death that's your physical body subject to death because your physical body hasn't changed it hasn't changed in composition since jesus came your physical body is still mortal verse 19 of romans chapter 8 oh glory to god verse 19 for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the full disclosure manifestation the full disclosure of the sons of god the phenoresis, the, the full disclosure of the sons of God. Now, observe. It, it's waiting for a future thing. A future. 20 and 21 of Romans 8. Romans 8, 20, 21. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption this body into the glorious liberty of the children of god that is immortality are you still in the building now that verse 21 corruption delivered from corruption which corruption the corruption of verse 11 
The corruption of verse 11. Look at 22 and 23 of that same Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and traveleth in pain together until now. 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which are the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. We are waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Now, so he calls it the first fruit. What's the first fruit? The best. What's the first fruit? The one that came first. What is the first fruit? Verse 15 of Romans 8. The spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba Father. That is the first fruit. So the first fruit is the adoption of the spirit. Okay? That's the first fruit. The second work is the adoption of the body. Adoption of the spirit. Adoption of the body. So at salvation, we are sons of God in the spirit. That is, the life of God in the spirit is the life in the sons. But the adoption of the body is the life in the body which will replace our physical bodies. The life of Jesus will replace the life in our physical body today. The life of Jesus. Okay? Which is immortality. That one is yet to happen. So there are two things. Number one, adoption of sons. Number two, adoption of the body. Two of them. Adoption of sons adoption of the body so romans 8 11 is teaching the rapture what brother paul calls the resurrection the first fruit which is the proof of the order in other words the indwelling of the spirit is the proof that the body will be raised from the dead yes are you following the indwelling of the spirit is the proof that this body will be raised. It's not prayer. Oh, Father, may I be rapturable. Stop that. If you want to be rapturable, get born again. Once you are born again, you are rapture ready. It's not a prayer point. Because born again means the indwelling of the spirit. And once the spirit indwells you, the spirit is there to ensure that this body is redeemed. And the redemption of the body is the rapture. Or the resurrection from the dead. Are we still in the building? Mm -mm. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. 1, 13 and 14. Pay attention to it. In whom you also trusted, after that you had the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Look at the next verse. Which is the endless of our inheritance. When? Until. Until. The Spirit of God in you will stay there and keep you. Until. The redemption of the purchased possession. Until your body is redeemed. The Holy Ghost ain't moving. And his reason of staying there. Is because he is the proof that the body has been paid for. And that the body has a new owner. And the new owner has apportioned the Holy Ghost. To stay there and qualify the body for resurrection. So the Holy Ghost will not live till the body changes. In fact, let me tell you, it's the Holy Ghost that will quicken the body to change. If the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwelleth, that same spirit that raised Christ will raise your body. That's rapture. 
So the spirit of God in you is the guarantee that you'll be raptured. Am I teaching here? It's not a prayer point. It's not a prayer point. And somebody say, Dr. Diamond, if somebody just told lie and the trumpet sound, he's gone. He's gone. While you are still thinking of the lie, he's gone. Shataba. Some say, Dr. Damina, say you can sin and be raptured. The heresies of Dr. Damina. You have time. You don't have work. Keep, let me keep you busy. Let me keep you busy. Let me keep you busy. When you were lying, the Holy Ghost didn't leave. Did he leave? He didn't leave. He stays there to tell you, you are bigger than that lie. That's why he's there. To tell you, no, no, no you are bigger than that. You are bigger than that. And once he tells you that, you correct yourself. You continue the journey. But he's there. He's, gone. he's not going to leave you. Jesus told the Holy Ghost that the day he enters you, he must stay there until this body is changed. That's what the Bible says. He's sealed until the redemption of the purchased possession. Are you reading your Bible? He's there. He's not going to leave. He's not going to leave. Even when you die physically, he is still there. He's inside you. Anywhere they bury your body, Holy Ghost has marked it. That's your body that they buried. Holy Ghost has marked it. If it decomposes, it has not disappeared. It can decompose, but it is still there as matter. On the resurrection morning, the Holy Ghost will gather your body. Like I said in the first service, if by any reason you were buried in the ground and a bomb government decided to do export and part of the export was around where your burial took place and they packed part of the sand that has part of your body and exported it to Indonesia and then as they were clearing part of your body moved into River Oron and the other side was taken to Calabar and they used it as part of building material. On the resurrection morning Every part of your body, every iota, from all over. That's why there's no distance in the spirit. That's why I can stand here and speak to somebody in Australia. Real time, it happens. Matter is what creates distance. Outside of matter, no distance. That's why it's called spirit. Spirit means no distance. Ruach, wind, breath, no distance. And that's why spiritual people must begin to learn to think spiritual. That's why teaching. Teaching makes us think spiritual. No iota of your hair will be missing. None. Nothing in your body will be missing. Everything will be intact. Even this my hair has disappeared. All of it will come back. You will see punky. <laughs> Resurrection morning. You will see me come out with my punk. Holy Ghost punk. As I come out, you will hear me Nagato Bella. Glory. What are you talking about? Leave that to you. It's going to be glorious. Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.30. 
Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Whereby, help me, let's finish it together. Whereby, ye are sealed unto when? The Holy Ghost has sealed you as his cargo. And is there until the day of redemption. Not going anywhere. Teaching good? We have received redemption from sin. The next one is redemption of the body. We'll be fully restored to glory. Notice that the redemption of the body is always spoken alongside with the spirit. Okay? Look at Jesus' body quickly. Luke 24, 37. Are you enjoying this? Luke 24, 37. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Next verse. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. So the substance of the work of Christ is in the spirit. The substance of the work of Christ is in the spirit. The deposit of his work, the deposit of Jesus' work, is primarily in the spirit. The deposit of Jesus' work is primarily in the spirit. So, a proper Bible teaching is to unfold to you what is in the spirit. A proper Bible teaching is to unfold to you what is in the spirit. Because the substance of Jesus' work is in the spirit. See that? In Luke 24, 37, Luke 24, 37 and 41, he ate. Jesus ate. And none of them who were there were partakers of that body. What Jesus gave to us is in his spirit. The life in his spirit is what we are one with today. The life in the spirit is what we are one with today. The life in the spirit. Hallelujah. So if we are teaching in Christ, we are teaching in the spirit of Christ. In Christ means in the spirit of Christ. Philemon 1 6 that the communication of your faith may become what? Effectual. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing that is where? In you because you are where? In Christ. In Christ. In Christ will be in the spirit of Christ. So our identification will be seen in that light. So when he says, I am come that you may have life, he is talking about in the spirit of Christ. So what we unfold to ourselves is in the spirit of Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Hallelujah. Now, concerning spirituals, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. Next verse. You know that you are Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Next verse. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus a cost, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit, underline the same, the same spirit. 
gifts of the spirit is not used by Paul. If you observe. Okay. So now he uses the same spirit. Why did he, why did he say the same spirit? Why didn't he say by the spirit? Why is he using the same spirit? Why didn't he say by the spirit? So same becomes important in the discourse. Because he used it several times. Look at verse 5. You will see it again in verse 5. Same. Verse 5. And there are differences of administrations. But the same Lord. Verse 6. Same. And there are diversities of operations. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. Same, same, same. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Okay, the manifestation, definite article, the manifestation of the spirit, specific manifestation of the spirit. Look at verse 8, same spirit, verse 8, verse 8. For to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same, by the same spirit. Look at verse 9, verse 9, verse 9. To another faith by the same. By the same spirit. To another the gifts of healing. By the same. Same, 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 same spirit. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 of the same chapter. But all these work at that one. And the self same spirit. Dividing to every man severally. As he wills. So we must understand what is same. Same with what? What is same? Same with what? If I use the word same. It means I am identifying it with something. For example, if I say, uh, or Dr. Gabriel comes to me and he says, uh, uh, Papa, what's the password to your phone? And I say to him, the same. For me to say the same means I had given him my password, which he is using maybe on my laptop okay so as he's using my laptop and i gave him the password for that laptop now i'm i've given him my phone he wants to make a call papa what's the password for your phone the same as even if i don't say laptop if i just say dr gabriel the same what i'm implying is that we had had a discourse before okay and because of that discourse i gave him my password now he can apply the same password on this same phone. Am I teaching? So when brother Paul is using same, same, same in Corinthians 12, means this spirit, he has discussed it in previous chapters. So these things he discussed about spirit before. It is the same spirit he was talking about that is doing this operation. I don't know if I'm teaching here. So that's why same, same, same stands out in chapter 12. So we have to do some work. Are you ready for work here? Alright, let's do a little bit of work now. <clears throat> So, I have told you, anytime you see the spirit, it is described within context. Okay? Now, so, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In fact, before 6, look at chapter 2 verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. In fact, before verse, verse 9, let's start from verse 4. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit, of the spirit, and of power of the spirit notice the term in demonstration now two things number one i determined that is whatever was done with the spirit i determined it i determined 
who determined the demonstration of the spirit? Paul. That word demonstration is the word apodexis in the Greek. It means to flash forth. To flash. To flash forth. To put light upon the surface. So Paul is saying, I flash forth the spirit and power. That is, I put light upon the surface of the spirit and power by preaching. Okay. Now, come to that first Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. Chapter 2 verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Next verse. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things. Yea, the deep things of God. Next verse, next verse, next verse. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Are you still following? So he mentions spirit of God, he mentions the spirit which is of God. In fact, if you read further, he mentioned the Holy Ghost. So, in verse 4, the spirit. In verse 9 to 15, spirit of God, Holy Ghost, spirit which is of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16 1 Corinthians 3.16 Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, in fact, before 12. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, 4, and 5. 1 Corinthians 5, 4, and 5. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved, not that his spirit but that the spirit, not his spirit, that the spirit may be saved. Please pay attention to those details. Alright? Now, look at 1 Corinthians 12, because we're looking at that same. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, be many, are one body, so also is Christ. Next verse. For by one spirit... Are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. One spirit. The spirit. One spirit. The spirit. First Corinthians 6, 11. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Did you observe that every time I'm explaining a concept in a book, I travel through the chapters, and I bring it out in every chapter. Did you observe that? That should tell you how to study your Bible. That's why in Bible study, if I'm going to teach from Corinthians, I read all the chapters, first and second, I read all the chapters. I read, I read it. Then I now settle down on the subject. You don't do Bible study, just you check. No, you, it's a letter. It's a letter. Each book is a complete letter. If you read just one chapter, you have not read the letter. If I write you a letter, are you not supposed to read everything? And so each, and if you don't read everything, have you understood what I wrote? You have to read the whole letter to know what I said. So each book is a complete letter to a church. And chapters and verses don't exist. So when you read a book, read it sure to the end. Stop all those lazy reading. Where you read, you say, I read chapter one. What is chapter one? Is that the whole letter? If it's six chapters, you finish it. Then read it again. 
They read it without looking at verses. Just be reading and going. Then when you finish, you now ask yourself, what is he saying? Then you start picking out the key things he's discussing because it's a later reading. If you read like that, you will not have problem with Bible study. But we like reading, lazy reading. Say, ah, I read one chapter today. Half of the chapter in the morning, half in the evening. You have not read, though. There are five chapters waiting for you. And if it's Genesis, where some chapters are very long, you have to finish all to be able to read the book. Are you following? I said, are you following? So you see how we're traveling. Because Bible study is tedious. That's how to study the Bible. It's not for lazy work. Now, so 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Look at, still looking at same spirit. And such were some of you, but you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the spirit of our God. Spirit of our God. Verse 17. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. <clears throat> but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. One. That is single identity. One spirit. Same. The word same is used to distinguish. Same. Used to distinguish. Dr. Gabriel said, Papa, I, I, I need the password for the phone. Same. Same. That's to say the two devices, same password. I don't have two passwords. I have one password for the two phones. I have one spirit for all the operations. So if you have that spirit, you have all the operations. Are we following? All right. Okay. Okay. First Corinthians 6, 17. Same spirit. Single spirit. One spirit. Will mean the spirit in Jesus is the spirit in you. Same password. Two devices. Jesus Abel, same password. Same spirit. Jesus Abel, same spirit. Jesus doesn't have a different spirit from me. Same spirit. Same spirit. Like password. Same password. Two devices. Same spirit. Verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you are bought with a price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Which are God's. In your spirit, that which are is not correct. Because if you read the original, it's not which are, it's which is. Which is. The word E-M-I in the Greek, E-M-I, means is. To exist as. Kyo. 698 times in the Bible. And in your spirit, this is how it will read in the original. And in your spirit, which is of God. In your spirit, which is of God. Is it talking about the believer's spirit? Huh? Huh? Is it talking about the believer's spirit? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So your spirit is of God. True or false? True? So if I said a spirit, could I be referring to my spirit? Huh? The spirit. First Corinthians 14, 2. 
Oh, we're going to have an exciting time this whole week. We're going to be doing Bible study on tongues. Kabatobelea. I want you to tongue tongues. Yes. And tongue it with confidence. Not just speaking in tongues apologetically. Hey, mother. Rada. Hey, Say, what is that? Say, I'm sorry. What is that? I'm sorry. I want you to dadadodo lotoboho. Say, what is that? You say, magandolo takaka. You care for some? I could share some with you. Rekotogogos. Mangaladaba. When you are speaking in tongues, it's exactly Jesus speaking. One spirit. We have a lot of people who have, who have received baptism of the Holy Ghost just by following our teachings. Even on radio, we have a lot of them coming for counseling. Who said, as they just heard me teach on radio, bam, they exploded in their houses. Yeah. what is happening these people are filling everybody with the spirit yes I poured my spirit upon all flesh are there, are there flesh in this building if there's English like are there? <laughs> 14 verse 2 first Corinthians these are not drunk as you suppose this is that for he that speaketh in an no, you know, I taught you, right? He that speaketh in, in tongues, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth. How be it? In the spirit he speaketh what? Mysteries. Mysteries. Okay? Now, stay with me, I'm going somewhere. In the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Verse 14. I will... If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayed, but my understanding is unfruitful. Next verse. I will pray with the spirit and I will, I will pray with my understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will that is I just stand up at will and do it. I stand up at will and I speak in tongues and then at will I interpret. I just interpret at will. I pray in the spirit at will. I interpret at will. Are you understanding? Are you understanding? You speak at will. You interpret at will. Some say, no, I don't know the interpretation. No, 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 you know it. It's just that you don't know that you know it. And that's what we're teaching you. So you know that you know it. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. So, the spirit... My spirit. Did you see that? In verse 12. I mean chapter 14 verse 2. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue. How be it in the spirit. In the spirit. Then verse 15. I will pray with my spirit. With my spirit. With the spirit. And I will sing with the spirit. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. So, the spirit, the spirit. Okay? Look at verse, verse 14. 14, 14. Yeah. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. My spirit, the spirit. Did you observe? My spirit, the spirit. Now, when he says, 
your spirit in first corinthians 6 20 your spirit first corinthians 6 20 let me just explain something first corinthians 6 20 for you are bought with a, with, with a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit in your spirit because he is talking to them your spirit then he says my spirit he's talking about himself so my spirit now look at this so the spirit in verse 2 is it my spirit in verse 40 first huh? corinthians 14 2 the spirit 14 14 my spirit so the spirit in verse 2 is it my spirit in verse 14 exactly oh my god i'm, I'm enjoying this i'm glad you're catching it it's my spirit okay now your spirit is it the spirit of god huh is your spirit god huh is your spirit god Your spirit cannot be God. So that's why you don't generalize. Because the reason why you said so is because you generalized. Your spirit is not God. God is God. You have the spirit of Christ. The man. Is it getting clear? You have the spirit of Christ. The spirit of the man. My spirit is the spirit of God. It's different from my spirit is God. Same spirit. One spirit. Same spirit as the spirit of God. One spirit. Okay? Now, 1 Corinthians 6.15 Good teaching. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. The word God forbid is what? Impossible. That is, this is not possible. They are already the members of Christ. Your body is already Christ's property. You cannot join it to an harlot. It's not possible. It's not possible. God forbid. Now, pay attention. Pay attention. Verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 6. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body, for two saith he shall be one flesh. 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Remember, he has called your body members of Christ because you are one spirit. Can you take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Huh? No. Now, let's explain the head and the body. You know, because verse 18 talks about the head and the body. Put it up. Verse 18 of that first Corinthians 6. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. 
But he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. Now, because of Brother Paul's illustration, many of us think Christ is head. We are body. So on the resurrection, head went without body. That's what some of us think. But in 1 Corinthians 11.2, when Brother Paul was explaining head and body, head means source or authority over. Source or authority. Don't take a parable beyond its illustration. Head was used as a parable to demonstrate authority. The head of Christ is God. The head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. She that prayed with her head uncovered is a shame. Why? Because the head of the woman is the man, not calf. The head of a woman is not a head tie. So when he says, woman, cover your head, what he's saying is, woman, submit and protect your husband. He's not talking of scarf. But religion, now women start buying head tie. They even have gele. Long. And they believe when they wear it, they can now pray. It's religion. Head day, head day is authority. The authority of the woman is the man. So the woman must stay in honor and submission to cover her husband. Then he says, a man must not cover his head because the head of the man is who? Christ. So that everybody can see Christ. It's not saying a man cannot wear a cap. I can wear a cap and preach and the same anointing will flow. The reason why I'm not wearing is because I don't like caps naturally. Otherwise, I'm for wearer. And I don't know if I wear it, it may make the thing disappear fast. <laughs> so, leave it open so that air can, can blow. <laughs> your head tie doesn't make your prayer get answered. Head tie or no head tie. You know why you're using head tie? Fashion. Finish. It's because the style needs calf. Otherwise, it's not necessary. All those people like preaching about outward holiness. Outward holiness. Wear long gown. Don't wear earring. Don't wear necklace. It's hypocritical holiness. Real holiness is what Christ has done inside you. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I'm teaching good. First Corinthians 12, 12. I know somebody on radio is like, thank God we have time. For as the body is one and at many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, let's move to Ephesians 5.22. And let's do some work there. <clears throat> Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Your own husband. Authority. Next verse. For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. And is the savior of the body. Which one mirrors the other? Huh? 
Which one mirrors the other? Husband and wife or Christ and the church? Which one mirrors the other? Huh? Husband and wife mirrors Christ and the church. Right? Husband and wife. Okay? That means the body, when he says the husband is the head of the wife, it doesn't mean a man should sit on top of a woman's head and say, you know, I'm in charge. No. Head, head means Eve was taken out of Adam. Means Adam was the source from where Eve came out. That's all he means. Just like the church came out of Christ. He's not talking about a man telling a woman, you know, you know, I'm the head. You are the neck. All those are village parables. It's unbelievers that use those things. I'm the head, you are the neck. And the neck controls the head. It's uneducated proverbs. Proverbs from people that didn't go to Bible school. You see, unbelievers sit down after wedding. They say they are going to do reception. That's why I don't go to wedding receptions. They'll bring one unbeliever because he has money. The couple want money to start life. So they call the unbeliever. They know it's an unbeliever. They put brother. <laughs> after the wedding started, praise the God. <laughs> praise the God. Why am I telling you stories? Let me go back to my teacher. <laughs> praise the God. And in some cases, even the husband and the wife are unbelievers. They say, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loves the church. <laughs> He's saying it to unbelievers. <laughs> as Christ loves the church. <laughs> oh boy. We have to finish this class. <laughs> we have to finish this class. Because today I'm finishing new creation camp meeting. Tomorrow I'm starting something. So we have to finish. Tell me, move, 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 move. Okay, verse 24. Ephesians 5, 24. So I can move. <clears throat> Therefore, as the head is subject unto Christ, so let the husbands be to their own husband. I mean, let the husbands, wives be to their own husbands in everything. Okay? Now, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved it. Loved it. It's not futuristic. It's already done. Loved the church and gave himself. Not will give. He gave himself. Okay? So just like salvation is past tense, what Christ has done for the church is past tense. Okay? Look at the next verse. He did all of that. Next verse. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Next verse. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. So question. Is the church holy and without blemish now? Yes. So he's saying that Christ has done a finished work of identification for his church. His body is holy. His body is glorious. His body is without spot. His body is without wrinkle. That is... The body Christ bought for himself is without spot or wrinkle. It's not an ongoing work. It's a finished work. It's a part of what Christ has done. A past tense of it. Now look at verse 28 to 30 of that Ephesians chapter 5. You will like this. 
So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Of his body, not of our body. We are members of his body. Not our body, his body. His body that he has purchased. 31 and 32 now. <clears throat> For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Next verse. This is a great mystery, but I'm not speaking about wedding ceremonies. I'm not speaking about white wedding. I am not, I'm using marriage as a parable to unveil Christ and the church. So this is not a marriage seminar. It's a parable. Paul used marriage as a parable to teach Christ and the church. So one flesh was a shadow of one spirit. See that? One flesh, husband and wife, is a shadow of one spirit. The word one flesh was used in Genesis 2.24 to foreshadow our complete identification with Christ. So one flesh, Adam and Eve, was figurative expression of one spirit, Christ and the church. Where did Eve come from? Power city. Where was Eve brought out from? Where, is, where did the church come from? Christ. So we did not become one flesh with Christ. We are one spirit with Christ. So the early marriage mirrors the heavenly union. In our own, man shall leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. In Jesus' own, there's no father or mother to leave. That's why it's a parable. Jesus didn't leave any father or mother. It's a parable. And in a parable, there are facts and fictions. And there's a lesson. You take the lesson. Jesus didn't leave. And we are not his wife. We are not Jesus' wife. You know. That bride of Christ, I know you're going there. That bride of Christ, there is a mistranslation. There, there's a play of words. I don't have time to enter there now. But we'll do, we'll do some teaching soon. On. We're, we're not Jesus' wives. Anyway, leave that side. So Eve came from Adam, one flesh. Notice, that term one flesh was taken from one scripture. The only other time you will see it repeated was Jesus in Matthew 19. I'm brother Paul. So the Genesis 2.24 is figurative of Christ and the church. While people's marriages end by divorce or death. Is it not true? Every marriage on earth will end either by divorce or death. This one is one spirit. There's no end. We and the Lord are one spirit. One spirit. Paul said two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. So wait. What is the mystery? Is it the marriage that is the mystery or the one flesh? Exactly. So that no husband will tell his wife, you know marriage is a mystery. No. It is the one flesh that is the mystery. Meaning, there is a lesson in one flesh to be drawn out. There is a truth concealed in one flesh. What is the truth? One spirit. 
The mystery there is that that one flesh is speaking of the union between Christ and the church. It's a parable. It's a parable. Are we teaching here? I said it's a parable. Praise God. I say praise God. So, one body is a mystery. One spirit. Paul says this is a great mystery. And you know the next place brother Paul talked about mystery is 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Means there's a truth in that. That means the statement, one flesh was spoken as a mystery. It can only be unveiled in Christ. So that mystery is one spirit. We are already one spirit with the Lord. We're not going to be one spirit. We're already one spirit. Now, so, 1 Corinthians 6.16. You know, we're working on that. 6.16. Go back there. 6.16 to 18. Mm -mm -mm. If you are still here, shout glory. 1 Corinthians 6.16. I hope the person on the computer is still hearing well. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. Now observe. Sins against his own body. That word sin is the word hamatai. In the Greek it means to miss the mark. It means error or to do wrong. So let's change the word sin to do wrong. He that committed fornication does wrong against his body. Again, marriage, is it one flesh or one spirit? Huh? Now, the word fornication is the word phonia in the Greek. It means sexual immorality. So, what is the wrong against your body? You don't know, right? Okay, write it down. <laughs> now, 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 hold on. Why did he use the word halot? Why did he use the word halot? You don't know that? Okay, keep it sober. He that commits fornication, sin it against, does wrong against his body. Because your bodies are the members of Christ. Now, observe in verse 20. See what he said in verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God where? In your body and where? In your spirit, which are whose? Which are God's. So it has become irretrievably the property of Christ. So it cannot become the member of a harlot. Because it is owned by Christ. And Christ is not a part of harlotry. Now, in hearing me, please remove that sin conscious, that sin things out of your head. Follow the teaching. Because some people who stay with fornication and not be hearing what I'm saying. And be calculating. Uh, fornication, how is it? Leave fornication. Come, we have gone beyond fornication. <laughs> we are discussing more serious matters. Okay, now. 
It can become the member of an harlot. So let's investigate the word sin there. He calls it a sin. But he defines your body as members of Christ. Okay? Not members of a harlot. And your body is already bought. That word in the Greek means there's a new owner. So it's not even within your capacity to do anything against your body. Because you don't even own it. Your body has a new owner. He bought it with his own blood. The same way a man who is saved is saved forever. The body has been bought forever to be Jesus' property. And sealed with the Holy Ghost. Hence Paul called it a sin. A sin. If you use the body for what the owner will not use it for. It means you are doing wrong. The reason why it is wrong is because it's not your property. It's somebody's property. And what the owner will not use the property for, you're not supposed to use the property for. Is it getting clear? Yeah. So that's why it calls it wrong. Now, we are individually the body of Christ and collectively the body of Christ. Alright? Now, Brother Paul's teaching is obvious identification. Spirit, soul, and body. One body. One body. One body. Okay? Now, the basic truth is he identifies the finished work. Then he says, we are his body. He loved us. He has given himself for us. He has washed us. He has presented us to himself. Without spot or without wrinkle. First fact, by our union with Christ is... We have an irreversible identity with Christ that can never change. Our identity with Christ can never change. What is our identity? You are righteous. You can never be unrighteous. You are holy. You can never be unholy. You are accepted. You can never be rejected. You are blessed. You can never be cursed. It's an identity that cannot be reversed. That is our identification with Christ is eternal. Are you with me? Nothing changes in that union. It's an eternal identification. So we are glorious. We are without spot. We are without wrinkle. We are saved. We are loved. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah. Say with me, I'm holy. I am without spot. I am without wrinkle. I am washed. I am bought. I have an owner who owns me forever. I thought I would hear a powerful amen. We are sanctified already. I'm praying, I'm, I'm praying a prayer of sanctification. You want to improve on Jesus' work? He sanctified you. It's not like prayer of sanctification. You have been sanctified. Some say, I just did wrong. I want to sanctify myself. Then you can as well reject what Christ did. Because what Christ did was eternal. You are sanctified in him forever. Some say, even when I do wrong, as you are doing the wrong, his sanctifying presence is cleaning it out. He's not waiting for your request. He owns the property. If I own a building and the building is dirty, who will you insult? You will insult the building. He said, stupid building. Stupid building. Idiotic building. With all the money that Damina has put on that building. See how ungrateful the building is. It has become old on time. Nobody will do that. If you see somebody doing that, 
the person <laughs> something has shifted <laughs> something has shifted <laughs> something is not together <laughs> oh the person is totally gone <laughs> he will say damina stupid man with all the money he used in buying that beauty he can't maintain it is it not true <laughs> i thought damina will will have sense i didn't know that the man doesn't have sense all the money, see the way they were working there at night. After he has finished that building, he cannot paint common paint. How much is paint? He can't even paint the The place is looking retired. Damina, no sense. It's me they will insult. Is it not true? Because it's my responsibility to keep that house I bought always new. You didn't buy yourself. That's the point I'm making. You didn't buy yourself. Jesus bought you. It is his responsibility to keep you refreshed. So it is his work to keep you painted. If the teeth touch you back, Jesus will clean it. Because you are his... Oh gosh, Who am I blessing in this service? You are Jesus' product. You are his handiwork. Can somebody shout, I'm one spirit with Jesus. I didn't hear you at all. Okay, stand up, stand up. Some of you have entered retirement level. Stand up. <laughs> Say with me, I am one spirit with Jesus. Say, I am bone of his bones. I am flesh of his flesh. I didn't hear a powerful amen. When Adam saw Eve, what was the first thing Adam said? Say, she shall be called woman. She is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. We are Jesus' flesh. We are Jesus' bones. We came from him. We are his body. We have complete identification with Christ. So the devil has no power and no right over your body. Your body has been paid for. And it has a new owner. Hallelujah. Touch your body and say, hey Satan. This body has a new owner. His name is Jesus. And you know what he did to you? 2,000 years ago. So stay off. Kaya badas. I say 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 kaya badas. Somebody say I'm sealed with the Holy Ghost until the day of redemption. Say He will never leave nor forsake me. I am eternally secured in the love of Christ. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Are you blessed in this service? That's the end of Soteria. This, I mean, that's the end of uh, in Christ realities. This season, that's the end of that for this season. Why did I say Soteria? Because Soteria is coming soon. Amen. We may do another in Christ before Soteria because there are still some things I want to cover. Now, this thing is with you still some things praise god this whole week we have bible study every day i announced in the first service every day i'll be teaching here by six o'clock now you're not supposed to come follow on radio follow online follow all over you know the media stay in your home and follow me but i'll be teaching every day the whole of this week i want to teach on the doctrine of tongues throughout this week every evening by six o'clock i'm live are you following now those of you that have been following ted every six o'clock i am moving the ted teachings to 12 noon 12 noon because by 6 i will be teaching so get ready for it and let me also announce from next sunday the 28th of february 
to the 7th of March will be third season 4. Now, I know a lot of you are new. TED means Training, Evangelism, and Discipleship. T-E-D. It's our training. So, that whole next week after next Sunday, you will meet in house churches every day for the third in the house churches. Alright? But I'll be here teaching every day. So, it means from tomorrow till the 7th of March, I'm teaching every day here. And you can follow online. It is for you. So don't stay away from it. This Wednesday, make sure you're in house churches. This Wednesday. But tomorrow, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're here teaching. And if there's anybody here who has anybody or you yourself, you've not started speaking in tongues. They have prayed for you till they're tired. You're not speaking in tongues. You will speak this week. Come and meet me here. I don't care how much the Holy Ghost has been running away from you. Two of you will jam this week. <laughs> that tongue you go talk of here. This week we want to deal with stubborn cases. People that everybody has laid hands on you. Even Jesus appeared in a vision. You couldn't speak in tongues. <laughs> you are the people who want to minister to this week. So if you know people that are seeking for the Holy Spirit baptism, ask them to meet us here every evening by 6 o'clock. It, it's their turn this week. And I'm, I'm announcing it on radio now. So all the radio audience, if you are looking for how to speak in tongues, you want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, or you are speaking in your church, but you are not sure it's the real one. Please come here for the real one. <laughs> we'll be here every day from 6 o'clock every day, you know, for the real thing. And every morning we'll be here for counseling by 9 o'clock. So if you need counseling, you have issues bothering you, radio, you know, and all of you watching on TV, you can come here. We'll be here for counseling 9 o'clock every morning and I'll be teaching by 6 o'clock every evening. Are you excited about it? And then Ted begins next Sunday. So it's, it's going to be a good time of eating so much food spiritually. Lift your right hands to heaven. Father, thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice in this service online, on television, on radio, all our churches, all our campuses around the world. I decree that revelation knowledge keeps growing big on your inside until nothing else matters. In the name of Jesus, barriers terminated. Every sickness and disease I serve you in notice that body has been paid for by Jesus out in the name of Jesus. Sick bodies be healed in the name of Jesus. Barriers terminated in the name of Jesus. And everyone under the sound of my voice in need of a miracle this week as your amen is coming like thunder right now. Receive a miracle. Receive a miracle. Receive a miracle in the name of Jesus. Father, we rejoice for the blessing that we have in your word. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of final letter. Grab a good offering. Let's give us. We honor Christ. Those of you watching online, the banking details are scrolling. On television, the banking details are scrolling. All our campuses around the world, make sure you grab your offerings. We are giving in faith and we are giving with joy. And the moment I pray, you know, we'll be joining Acts, the counselor. I know we just have about 15 minutes left, but we will still join Acts, the counselor, for those 15 minutes so that I join Mr. Michael Bush in the other studio so we can answer some of of your questions and a few calls before the service is over today but guys we love you and i want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve you the grace of god remember next sunday is going to be the beginning of ted season four now lift up your offerings to heaven everybody father we rejoice for the privilege we have to give we give in honor we give with joy we give with delight and we ask that everyone giving today, our offerings are a sweet smell before you. And thank you for the blessing upon this family of God. And decree that this week opportunities are released to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for answered prayer.
We give you praise and glory. In Jesus precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. I didn't hear your amen at all. Hey guys, we look forward to connecting with you again. You know, uh, uh, on all the radio stations this afternoon, we'll be live on XLFM right now at 1 o'clock. You know, so if you're on comfort, switch over to XL at 1 o'clock. But make sure you follow Ask the Counselor that will be on in the next one minute or so. But we love you guys. Always a joy to serve you the grace of God. All our campuses, you know, we love you. Make sure everybody is following the teachings. 12 noon. Ted continues tomorrow and then in the evening I'll be live here at 6 o'clock. The whole of this week is going to be tongues, tongues, tongues. We want to get the people of God to a point where nothing limits their operation. Praise God. We love you guys and we look forward to connecting with you and until we see you again, enjoy the grace of God. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service. There's money. Glory. Amen. Woo. Praise God forever. Now hold on. Please, all the messages Books by Dr. Abel Damino. Please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com. and false preachers will be exposed. Charlatans will be disgraced them all because
the light of God's word is going to grow and discernment will be very sharp. Deception will increase for those that will be deceived. Those that will be deceived will be deceived to silliness. Those that have chosen the path of darkness, darkness will consume them. That is, they'll be so full of darkness that they will not find their way. And those that have chosen the path of light will walk in greater illumination. There will be so much light. So there will be such clarity between darkness and light. It's not going to be like it is now. Where we don't know which is which. Because all of us look alike. All of us sound alike. False prophets are using Jesus. We too are using Jesus. Charlatans are using tongues. We too, we are using tongues. No, no, no. There will be a sharp divide. Kabatona. The body of Christ will emerge out of the rubbles. Out of the rubbles, there shall be an emergence of the structure. There will be an emergence of the shape. The church of Jesus will start taking shape. It will start taking shape and it will become very clear to the world that this is the church of Jesus. I speak to you the mind of God Almighty. It shall no more be business as usual. It shall no more be a combination of all of us. No, no, saith God, my body will rise and emerge out of the rubbles. And saith God, an exceeding great army is rising from among the rubbles. And it shall be clear, it shall be obvious, and they shall know, they shall know. Everyone will know the difference between darkness and light. The days are over when those who don't know the difference call the darkness light and call the light darkness. The days are over. The days are over. There shall be a sharp divide between the darkness and the light. The word of God will grow like never before. Hunger for the world will grow like never before. The people of God are going to go after the world. After the world. After the world. After the world. And there shall be a mighty revelation of the identity of the church. The church will have a clear cut defined identity like never before. Deception will be exposed and deception will be disgraced. And the hunger for my world will rise very strong among my people. And my people will seek for pasture like never before. And say it, God. That's why I'm preparing you. I'm equipping you. Because people are going to look for pasture. And they're going to look for you. And they're going to come to you. And they're going to ask you. And you will become teachers. You will become pastors. You will become ministers of the gospel. In your various places of vocation. Wherever you are found, you will be a teacher. Because you will be hunger. Men are going to be seeking for the knowledge of the true God. In the midst of this demarcation. The dividing line will be very obvious. I didn't hear powerful amen.